Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, The Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. It's Aloha Friday with the Sports Animals. This is ESPN Honolulu, and uh, it's kind of a, seems like a somber day, although we should be celebrating that Tua Tonga-Vailoa at least went back on the plane with the team, had not, uh, wasn't held over in uh, Cincinnati, and we'll get into that in a second. Our, uh, some of our other top uh, headlines today, it's game day for University of Hawaii Sports, Rainbow Wahine Volleyball. They go at it on the road. They've got Cal State Fullerton tonight, Long Beach State tomorrow. Cal State Fullerton beat Long Beach State earlier this week, so Long Beach State, known as one of the better teams, now Fullerton could be a dangerous one as well. Are the Long Beach State uh, on the women's side, are they as rude as they are on the men's side? I don't think that's possible. I mean, the men's team, as we saw in the Big West Tournament last uh, May, were pretty bad. But it's the same fan base. So that in itself is enough to say that it's probably not going to be a friendly crowd tomorrow. All right, got some big games in college football coming up this weekend. One of them, Arkansas, Alabama. Uh, Dave Aranda hosts number nine, Oklahoma State. Well, Dave doesn't. The Baylor Bears do. There's a number of pretty good games this weekend. Yeah, I love it that we're now more in conference play, everybody in conference play, as opposed to early and maybe mid-September when you had some of those uh, cupcake games and ridiculous matchups where you know how one-sided they were going to be. Example is Michigan having that easy schedule. Now it gets tougher for them. They've got Iowa on the road as an example. You know, Ole Miss and Kentucky is a very interesting game. Uh, Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin and Kentucky with, you know, what the heck are you doing at number seven in the country? I, and Kentucky, in a way, as well. I mean, it's the last few years they've been better, but usually known for basketball more than football. I like that. I mean, I don't think they're going to compete with Alabama quite yet, but they'll give them a little bit of a challenge. Both teams are really good. Right. A couple of teams coming off big wins. Texas Tech with their win over Texas and Kansas State uh, hosting the Texas Tech. I mean, that's kind of an interesting game. But anyway, we can get more into that a little later on. The playoff race starting to heat up in Major League Baseball. Yeah, I think that one of the biggest races, besides the Mets and the Braves, who played three games against each other in Atlanta this weekend, is Milwaukee, Colton Wong, and Philadelphia. Philadelphia has been struggling, losing four in a row, and they only have a half-game lead over the Milwaukee Brewers. That's a battle for sixth or seventh, and only six make it in the NL for the wild card. Uh-huh. All right, and uh, of course, um, you know, the story all over the country has been Tua Tonga-Vailoa. This reminds me of... This reminds me of the days when sports talk topics were dominated by Manti Teo and the whole catfishing thing. It's unfortunate that we're talking about Tua Tonga-Vailoa and his health. You know, a bad concussion. Well, he's, yeah, he, is, he, he did get a concussion yesterday. They finally admitted. It was... Um, 
and it was bad. I mean, it was like a UFC fighter got knocked out with his his hands seizing up like they did. That was some people were wondering what that was. Hey, what's that? You know, what what is that? I said, immediately when I saw it, not saying I'm any smarter than anybody else, but immediately when I saw it, I said that dude just got knocked out. I mean, he was yeah. his. I mean, that's what happens. You see those guys that get knocked out in the ring and they got their hands straight up in the air, and um, I don't, you know. They kept showing the replay over and over again, and it was some people were some people were really having a hard time watching that. I mean, maybe because it wasn't something as visible as Alex Smith or Joe Theismann's injuries. I didn't have that much of a problem, but I noticed that the um, I don't know how you say the guy's name. Is it Tupo Tupu? That's how that's how Al Michaels was saying it. The defensive tackle who tackled Tua. I mean. He whipped him to the ground, and I think he hasn't been blamed for anything because that's just a part of football. I mean, he's he's spinning Tua around to bring him down, and it would just happen to it's a lot of his Tua's momentum of his head crashing into the turf. Yeah, I think even the Tyree Kill said that you can't blame him for that hit. I mean, he just got a clean shot at him. The offensive line didn't do Tua any favors. That was tough to watch, as you said. And I was on Twitter just following, and it was, like, incredible as far as trending nonstop by people. And there were a number of them that kept tweeting, stop showing his hand. Well, and, I think you know, Tanner Hayworth was is one of them. Uh, again, it didn't bother me that much. It was the part where they – oh, did you say stop showing his hands? Yeah, people, they didn't want the yeah, close-up to that. Yeah, that was the part, though, the – the hit wasn't the part that that was sickening. It was his hand seizing up because that's not what a normal person's hand should look like. Yeah, it was pretty tough to watch, and I don't I don't know how many times they showed the hand. I know, like when you watch Sports Center at night, they might have shown it once, but they showed the hit over and over and a few right. different angles. But yeah, it was a tough tough sight to see. And uh, again, everybody wishing Tua well. I did talk to somebody in Miami this morning saying just nothing today except the X-rays came back negative and him being back in South Florida, which we heard last night. Uh, but that was a scary sight. I I, I also wonder about the long term. I mean, I know they have a long, longer layoff because they play on Thursday, 10 days off, and maybe we'll hear more in the next few days on if he'll play again this season or how soon, and hopefully it's nothing too serious, but it looked really scary last night. And on the short rest and short turnaround from Sunday, more people were thinking Miami was really at fault for allowing him to play. I didn't think of it quite that way. But I do want, and I, I talked about it on Monday, and we talked about it yesterday as well. When they say it's his back, more people are thinking it wasn't his back, and maybe Miami did not go through the exact proper protocol to make sure it wasn't his head, even though Tua said it was his back. And I mean, the 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 the, the part that he gets hit three days later, if he has a normal game yesterday, nobody's questioning that anymore, for the most part. But after yesterday, people kept bringing back Sunday, and the timing was not good, uh, but it, it was really tough to watch that yesterday. And, uh, I mean, the fact that he was on the ground for 10 minutes, and when he was on the stretcher, he wasn't really moving. A lot of players will give the thumbs up. He wasn't doing any of that, of course, and understandably so. And seeing the emotion on Jalen Waddell, Tyree Kill, and some of the others, even Mike McDaniel, who was following him on the stretcher for a while, that it was a tough sight. And you're right, everybody on Twitter, at least all around the country, NFL players, people just around football, media, really wishing the best for two. So hopefully we'll hear some positive news really right. soon. Right, that was a great recap. But get into what you, you said earlier, when you said earlier, 
Um, and I, I don't remember what you said. You were going to get into something on your own opinion on that. Well, I, I said I don't think Miami really was at fault as much for playing him. If he's cleared, then you play him. So people say, my, and that's a lot of what the criticism was last night. Why were they playing him? Miami's in trouble. The investigation continues. I will say this, though. The fact that the NFLPA is still investigating this, when we were well, talking. they haven't at, started yet. They haven't started their investigation yet. They figure they're going to start in a couple of weeks. For, for Sunday? Yeah, that's what, they, that's what they were saying on television last night. But anyway, okay, but well, anyway so the investigation. Yeah, I, the fact that they are investigating makes a lot of people, or at least the NFL PA and other people in the NFL, believe that maybe it wasn't his back. Because if it's just his back, you're not investigating why he was back in the game. And that's one of the things. I know I said it on Monday and backed off a little yesterday thinking he's cleared. But hearing right. that the investigation is ongoing, that the, the, the PA does not believe that or they would not still be investigating and have it ongoing. So that makes me tend to believe. I don't know if Miami was lying about this. It does no. seem. You know what? I, I think it was, if I can jump in here, I think it, 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 this all one of the main topics of conversation should be that there's got to be something that can be done about players doing this to themselves. I think that Tua Tonga-Vailoa, sorry, but I think that he was, he did, he was concussed. I mean, I was stupid enough to come on the air and just go, look, I believe the guy. You know, I, you know, he said he doesn't have a concussion, he doesn't have a concussion. You know what? These guys are warriors. They're going to go out there. They're going to say anything they can, can to get out there and get back on the field, especially when he came back on the field and he threw that 20-yard dart down the field first thing when he came back uh, in the Sunday's game. Right. But um, you know what? There's got to be something we can do to protect these guys from themselves is it andrew whitworth the offensive tackle that's on the broadcast he mentioned it um rob ninkovich mentioned it as well and i didn't think about it from this aspect but it really makes sense that they all have to kind of um police themselves when whitworth was playing football you probably heard those comments on the air yesterday that um i did not hear his comments on the air Okay, so his comments on the air were, you know what, one time I got my bell rung and somebody went to the coach and said, he, you better sit him, he's not right. And he's eternally thankful that the guy did that. What we can get into um, eventually here is what we will is, how does this affect Tua Tonga-Wailoa when he's, you know, he's, you know, later on in life? You know, I, I mean, are you, hopefully... I mean, we're talking, this is scary stuff. We're talking about Junior Seau. We're talking about Mike Webster. Mm. We're talking about guys like this. And part of it, I think, is there's got to be some kind of, I, you know what I believe? I believe Tua had a concussion now after all of this happened. I believe he had a concussion on Sunday, passed through the protocols, whatever loopholes he needed to do just to get back on the field. And doctors... And coaches and players went, oh, okay, well, he's fine. He's fine. Look, he said, you know, he passed the protocol. There's got to be something else. You know, whenever, whenever, no matter what the protocol is. And I don't know where to draw the line and, and how, how you would put this in writing. But, look, the guy got his bell rung. You're, you're done for the rest of the day, and you're going to have, you know what, take his helmet away, go jump in the shower, and we're not going to, you know, take you in the locker room now. You're going to wait until 
tomorrow, either when we get home or get back to camp, and you're going to see a doctor, and they're going to go through tests. I don't want to see Tua Tonga-Vailoa play for another month. Every time you get a concussion, it's worse and worse on your body down the line. Right. So when right. you have a concussion twice in four and a half days, people have died. Okay? They have died from this. And what it comes down to, again, is when the player says, no, nah, I'm good to go, look at the film yourself and say, no, nah, it doesn't pass the eyeball test. Not it doesn't check these five things and you click these four boxes and you can get back into the game. That's what I think the NFL is going to react to. Uh, the NFLPA, but also the NFL, is going to try and get out in front of this to show that they cared. I think also when I was reading some of the protocols last night after the game, of course, that the doctors talked to him at halftime, and one point was brought up. How do they know at that time that he wasn't concussed? You can't base it just on his answers. So they might have made a mistake by allowing him back in the game based on what he said as, about his back and his answers to those questions. You wouldn't right. know right. That's what you were saying a minute ago. That's wait wait till tomorrow. And that, I think, is where maybe Miami slash the NFL is at fault with how they handled it. You yeah, but it's not just in... Miami. It's every team. Okay. Yeah, every bet, single team out there. Mike's on the line at 808-296-1420. Good morning. Happy Aloha Friday. Hey, good morning. Ultimately, um, to me, they should have um, doctors are not from the team. They should have independent doctors doing these things. They do. They do. do. They're independent neurologists or whatever. They're not not associated with the team at all? No, they have, they came up with a rule, I guess, on every sideline, there's some oh, kind of good, independent so, neurologist consultant or something. So guess what? You know, you hate to say it. It's like anything else. I mean, I mean it, I'm not going to say addiction or something like that, but, you know, I, I've had family members that sometimes you can't help themselves. They're adults. I mean, they yeah. choose. That's why this is a violent game. I mean, right. ultimately, um, if that doctor clears him, and if he's independent, um, and Tua did that, he's an adult making an adult decision on his life. I mean, right. you hate to say, can you take it away from him? I don't know. I mean, that's why they pay these guys money, and that's why I don't mind these guys getting these freaking contracts because this, this game is violent. Any hit, it could be the last. And it didn't have to do with uh, um, it's unfortunate that would happen Sunday, but guess what? If he didn't get concussed Sunday – I'm not saying he did, right? He still got whacked yesterday, and he was still would have got the same injury. I don't think that the Sunday had anything to do with that one, do you? Well, yeah, just... because every time you get a concussion, mm. it's much, much easier, especially in a short time zone, to be concussed Well, that again. was a heck of a hit, though. I mean, he still would have been knocked out of the game. But the fact that it could have been twice in a week makes it even more serious than it might have been just without just with the one hit yesterday. I think it's I think it's irresponsible though for these guys to go on TV and basically call uh, the Dolphins criminals. Yeah, I haven't heard that. I think it's it's overall the entire NFL. I mean, I mean, Josh had the guy on yesterday. Um, uh, He was talking to that. uh, uh, He was. He was talking on his show yesterday afternoon. Right, but what the, basically... right, but, but the problem is not just the Miami Dolphins. This happens throughout the NFL, and it's been That's going on game, for right. a long time. That's but the game hey, Mike, those guys choose, though. Right yeah. on, Mike. Hey, have a great weekend. Thank you for uh, calling in. 
Our number is 808-296-1420. And uh, we've got a traffic check coming up momentarily. Uh, thank you guys for texting in. And this is, da, 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 da. okay, here's one. What is your opinion on Thursday night games? Too soon to play? Not enough rest for the players? Obvious cash cow for the NFL. Yeah, the only the reason they're playing those games are, and it is, um, it's 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 all about money. I mean, I don't know how much Prime uh, or I don't know how much Amazon is paying, but when Amazon starts getting into the picture, <laughs> it means there's a lot of money to be made. Right, and I said that yesterday before to a situation that Thursday night football in general I, I don't like because teams aren't at their best, and of course the quick turnaround as far as injuries are concerned. But it, it's just again, it's great in a way to have a game every day of the week if you could. But I don't think it's right for the teams. Players, players have complained about it. There was that one year three years ago where every game was basically a, a, a clunker, if you want to call it that, where they were really not the same level of play as you would see on a Sunday. And I think maybe that was partly a coincidence, but I think there is some truth to that. I'm not a fan of Thursday football, even though it's cool to have games to watch. Not not like this. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a fan of, because it's entertainment, it's NFL on a Thursday night. I don't have to wait. You know, this isn't 1974. I don't have to wait <laughs> for whatever one or two games are going to be on on a Sunday. I think the more NFL, the better. Uh, Jeff texts in, Miami should move on from Tua and draft a quarterback. It seems kind of insensitive there, Jeff, but he has a point. What does Miami do in this situation? Is Okay, part of the conversation yesterday, yet the day, was that the conversation on this radio station was, hey, you gotta, you got you to gotta evaluate too and you got to pay him now so that you don't owe him that much more later. In order to keep everything under the salary cap and have good players, give him an extension after this season. Give him an extension so you can put some of that money on the last two years of his contract. And now with this injury, it's a business. But what are the Miami Dolphins thinking? You know, the you know he's he's got a surgically repaired hip. He's got constant since college to today ankle problems. He's hurt his back. And he's been con- he's got two concussions, two concussions, in three games. So, as a business, is Tua Tagovailoa going to be your quarterback of the future? Terribly insensitive, but business-wise, the Miami Dolphins are thinking that right now. Uh, we'll take more phone calls and texts coming up next. We'll check the traffic now on ESPN Honolulu. Oh, good morning. What a whirlwind it's been. It'll continue today with talk about not just Tua Tonga-Vailoa, but concussion protocol. And, you know, maybe it's good that this comes up. Not good about the injury, but something like this had to happen, whether it was Tua Tonga-Vailoa or Tyreek Hill or Patrick Mahomes or somebody else. It's something that's come up. Tua Tonga-Vailoa was already kind of the talk of the town on this preseason in sports talk radio all across the country. He was one of the most polarizing figures in the NFL because he was such a high draft choice, and is he basically, 
is he good enough? Is he are we is he that guy? I mean, he had the second highest QBR, first highest QBR, whatever rating he, in the league. Is it too early to tell? That was the conversation. And now the conversation's about Tua Tagovailoa all over again because of this um, injury that he suffered yesterday. I haven't heard, and I'd be curious, about how long after this, after getting two concussions in a week, how, how long does someone sit? I don't think it's set. I, from what I understand, just in the right. path, they just keep testing you and testing you and see how much better you are, how how much, how long it takes before you are normal. I don't think there's any definite time period, but I would think after two in a week, it would not be a week or two before he comes back. But again, I, I mean, it just just based on what I remember from the past of players getting concussions like this. But like you you said, and that's yeah, a but big, this, big point. Okay. What do you mean getting concussions like this? We two in this? a week. Two in a week, I mean. It that doesn't is, happen that often, though, right? No, it doesn't. And, but or, we, no, no. It doesn't happen that often that we hear about it. Oh, even because, really. As, as Tanner was telling us a, uh, a story of him powering through concussion protocol on the sideline in high school football. These players are powering through it. That's what the conversation really needs to be about. I don't but, remember... Yeah. I don't remember which player or players it was, but in the last year or two, you've heard players estimate after they retire. I probably had 60 concussions in my career, and I've heard that huh. not a lot, but a few times, and that's like 60? You, 60? maybe even higher. I mean, this is player. I'll, I'll even Google, and I, I guarantee names are going to come up with players that have said that, and they always hit it, or they just told the team they feel fine, and either the doctors are helping them pass the test, and I don't, I don't want to believe that happens nowadays but i do believe it happened in the past because too many players have said that where the doctors would believe you you would convince them maybe there is a little pressure maybe those doctors weren't independent they were employed by the team and working for the team and were trying to help the team win and players would play when injured they would kind of look the other way you saw that in concussion the movie where that happened i know that was back in the 70s mostly but you know that went on then. I, again, I, I, that's why I was kind of changing my tune yesterday about Tua. But again, it just doesn't seem like it was the back. But when you hear it's the back and that he's cleared, and Mike McDaniel said, that's not what we do here. Well, you've been a head coach for a month. So when you say that's not what I've ever done, that's not what we do, that's good to say. And I mean, I'd like to believe it. But that's, that's not a long period of time that you've been in that situation. So you believe that the coach actually said, "Hey, you know what? To go out there, we need you, buddy." No, no. But when you, when a coach, I think that I think that also on during during the heat of the action in an NFL game, he's you're 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 off on the side. You're with the doctors in the locker room. You're coaching a team, calling plays. You don't have time to go. Let me go and see how Tua's doing. He doesn't have time to check on him. But I'm not saying he does during the game. And, you know, like Belichick said, we listen to the medical experts, and you hear, hear that throughout the weeks whenever anybody's hurt like that, they defer. I, I know that. But after that part is done and they're talking to a player, players have convinced coaches to stay in the game. I mean, it's been said over and over again over the years. They've done things like that. Again, my point about Mike McDaniel is when he's saying we would never do that, and again, all that, that that's not very reassuring. I mean, if it's a guy like Belichick that says that just because he's been there for 30 years or whatever, that might mean a little more, and that's just a little sidebar to this. But you do wonder, again, the one point that really got to me last night, Chris, is when the point was brought up about what these doctors are supposed to do with the concussion protocol, there, there was no answer given when asked 
how do you know he wasn't concussed on Sunday? And you're not supposed to let him back in the game unless you are positive or very sure that he's not right. concussed. You can't tell 10 minutes after the hit, 20 minutes after the hit. And they did. They let him back in the game saying he was cleared. That part gets to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you agree with that, but I mean, that, that, that where, that's where Miami, not where Miami themselves and maybe it's every team, but the fact that that's allowed to happen in the NFL period. Another right, but point. That, we've, met, we've already talked, Ben's through that. This is a situation where you, you there's got to be something to do with the, there's no eyeball test in that. That's the problem. When a player wobbles and holds his head and can't walk, when he loses his mobile uh, mobile ability, then that's you can answer any question you want, but your eyeballs got to say, "Nope, you're done." Take away his helmet. That's what's not being done in the NFL. Right. We mentioned that 20 minutes ago. The and NFL. That's, what's, that's the whole situation. That's okay. my reaction to what you just said. One player has said, watch the NFL is going to come out with this new procedure or protocol just to show that they care about safety, but don't believe it. They just care about their product and having the best players on the field. I, don't, sure. I know he's exaggerating a little bit, but I, oh, I, I wonder no. if there's something to that. I think there is a little something to that. They, you know, they, they tend to care. They have all these procedures. They have the lawsuit and all that. So they're saying the right thing, that player safety is the priority. And <laughs> Gary, I know it is Gary, a priority. If player safety was the priority, and they really cared, they wouldn't have Thursday night football. How many, again, if you look at it that way, how many players have been hurt on Thursday night football more than on Sunday night football? I don't know, Gary. I'm not. I'm not. I don't I'm not think that many at home. I, I don't think that's the a, stat is that there is 0.41 concussions per football game. Every NFL football game, there is 0.41 concussions per game. Okay, but how many more on Thursday? Say Thursday night I don't football. Know, is, is, what I'm is, getting at is it's not enough time. Players will tell you yeah. there's not enough time to recover from Sunday to have the quick turnaround and play on Thursday. And, and in said, this situation, there wasn't enough time to recover from a concussion because you went back in the game and you got one right away. Couldn't even last a half of football without getting a concussion again. And I think he would have had a concussion whether Sunday happened or not. I think, to me, again, it's a level of play on Thursdays as well. That's what I don't like about it. And the quick turnaround. But I don't think – I haven't heard that Thursday night football has been responsible for more injuries than Sunday. And if that were the case, then you'd really want to get away with Thursday night football just for that reason alone. I don't think that's the case necessarily. There's other instances that I can't come up with right now, but if you give me some time, I will, on how the NFL cares about their product and not so much about the players. Ask an NFL football player. Ask your pal Rich Miano. I mean, especially back when he played. <laughs> you know, they did. It's it's not some. You know, they can say they care, but they don't really care. This is a product. They're going to replace you. This is if they if this was if they really cared, they would have guaranteed contracts. The, you know, they would have. It's not like, hey, you know what? This is really good. We're going to give you ten million dollars. What? You're hurt. Bye bye. You get nothing. Well, I think the guaranteed contract is also more so because if you're not that good three years later, they can dump you without having the responsibility to Not the point. The you. point is that they can cut you any time they want. That, to me, that says they don't care. They don't care, but I think they also don't care because it's a business. This is they a care. microcosm of the argument that we're talking about of the topic. We'll get back to it okay. coming up next on ESPN Honolulu.
Playoff races are heating up. Aaron Judge looking for number 62 this weekend. Let's get into it. And they are at home, the New York Yankees, and we are joined now via the Aloha Kia hotline on ESPN Honolulu. She covered the New York Yankees for the New York Daily News. Back with us, Christy Ackert. Christy, thanks so much for joining us. I know everybody in New York is really hoping that they see history in the making this weekend in the final three home games of the regular season. Yeah, and they're hoping they get three games in with the Hurricanes coming up the East Coast. You know, I know you even tweeted about this before, a couple of days ago, but if, if not really if, when Aaron Judge does hit number 62, I know we're talking big picture now, which is October, do the Yankees give him some time off? I mean, I know every home run he hits will be another record, and it's going to look even better and better. But at some point, with everything he's been through, wouldn't it be ideal for the Yankees getting ready for the playoffs to maybe give him some rest as well? Yeah, I think they I think they will give him a day off. I think he needs a day off. He's I think he's played 49 straight since August 5th. Um, I think he started 48. So he does need a day off. I don't think they will give him a day off tonight because uh, they're going to have a packed house waiting for him to hit number 62. But, um, you know, Aaron Boone has already talked about managing, you know, rest and, you know, w- what they need to see down the last, I think it's seven games of the season. What has impressed you the most about this run with Aaron Judge? I mean, he was on pace for this this number back in June and July, had a little bit of a lull, so to speak, for for him, not for any other player, maybe in mid-August, but in September he's been back on fire. What has impressed you the most about this stretch? That he's still in the race for the batting title, that he's not selling out for home runs, that he is taking walks, that he is you know, getting his singles and doubles, and that he's basically carrying this offense. You know, sluggers can be streaky. They can be hit or miss, and he's not. People are bringing up the MVP topic, and I find that amazing that people are comparing him, he and Shohei Otani. He's having a great year, almost had the no-hitter. We know how unique he is, but I think it's clear that Aaron Judge easily is the MVP of this league. Have you heard people still talk about Shohei winning it over Aaron Judge? I heard it last night. Um, you know, I think there is a group of people that look at it like fantasy baseball, and they look at the value in terms of what he would bring a fantasy baseball team. But I don't understand how you can give value to a, a player that whose team is going to finish second to last in their own division. So, you know, I mean, I was on Japanese TV last week talking about it. So it's a, it's a big issue, yeah. Again, I, I, that's one of the points I have brought up, the fact that Judge and the Yankees in first place, the Angels 20-whatever games under 500. Let's assume, Christy, that Judge does win the Triple Crown. He's got a very good chance, as we know. How much does the contract gonna, How much is the contract going to be from the Yankees and Brian Cashman in the offseason? I would think it's going to come close to $50 million a year. Maybe that's really high, but what are your thoughts on what this is going to cost the Yankees in the long run? How do we know it's going to be the Yankees? Um, ah. I, you know, that's never been my, my strength or my interest, but it will be more than what Garrett Cole makes, that's for sure. Um, and he's making, what, 32? So, um, and I think that was kind of the idea, too, that he is the most valuable player to this team. They're going to have to pay him a lot of money. <laughs> um, I mean, he's certainly going to be over $300 million. 
so, um, and the problem with that is, you know, this is, you know, he's earned his money, but at the same time, he's 30 years old. So how long can you give him in a contract? Um, it's going to be a tough one. I mean, the Yankees, the Yankees were cautious about giving him years, you know, or worried about giving him years before. So I don't, you know, I don't know how high they'll go. We are talking New York Yankees baseball. Christy Ackert is our guest from the New York Daily News, joining us on ESPN Honolulu. You can follow Christy on Twitter, at Christy Ackert. I compared it the other day, and maybe this is not the best comparison, but Derek Jeter, near the end of his career, was overpaid by the Yankees. He was really slowing down. I just think that the Yankees could not allow Jeter to go to another team. That just wouldn't be accepted by the fans, among others. And you mentioned, how do we know it's going to be the Yankees? Is there any way possible the Yankees will let any team outbid them? I think some teams might just offer him a deal so the Yankees have to up their offer. I'm sure the Red Sox will offer him money. Um, you know, I think there is an allure to him going home to the San Francisco area. Um, I'm sure the Dodgers will be interested. You know, honestly, it, he's he's taken from the, at the beginning of the season, I kind of thought, is Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge anywhere but New York? This, this year he's made sure he is. I mean, he's, you know, he is himself now. He doesn't have to be a Yankee to be a superstar. So I think they're going to, I think the Yankees need him more than he needs them right now. So they're, they're going to probably have to overpay. And, and don't forget, you know, he wasn't happy about those negotiations this spring. So there's going to have to be some mending of the fences there too. I remember this spring when he turned down the offer, wanting more than Mike Trout. The talk was back then. Let's talk about a few other Yankees as they get ready for October. Garrett Cole has let up a lot of home runs this year. I've been pointing that out. I know others have. But I also saw the other day with his strikeouts, 248. Now he has another start left, and he has tied Ron Guidry. That record has stood for since 1978. He's having a really good year despite the home run, being a great pitcher, and the strikeouts really stand out, of course. Yeah, he does. He strikes out a lot, of, a lot of people. He pitches really well for four out of five innings, five out of six. The problem is that he gives up home runs, and he kind of has an inning where he just lets it snowball on him. As the Yankees get ready for October, I don't know if you can give us an injury update. DJ LeBay, who is coming back, I believe, this weekend. What about Matt Carpenter? Is there any update on his status? Yeah, I mean, they've always said that they had held out hope he would be able to be back. Um, it's certainly not going to be by the end of the season. He Maybe if they get to the World Series, could possibly be available. I mean, he's still limping around and just putting weight on the foot. For the Yankees in the playoffs, they'll get a bye in the first round. They and the Houston Astros. Who do you see as a possible or probable first-round opponent? For the Yankees, at least. Um Honestly, I haven't paid that much attention to it. Um, I think that there is a possibility it could be Cleveland and, and Tampa, I believe. So, um, one of them. Um, I really haven't, honestly, with everything going on with Judge, I haven't looked that far ahead. Well, it's right around the corner. October is coming up. The playoffs start next weekend. The Yankees, again, will get a bye in the first round. We have a lot of coverage on our station of Aaron Judge and the Yankees, and we'll see if he does hit 62 in the final three home games at Yankee Stadium. Should be quite an atmosphere there. Christy, thanks again for joining us, and uh, good luck to the Yankees and the playoffs. Hopefully they'll get another World Series title. Thank you.
All right, Christy Ackert joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline. See ya in a Kia. Hey, all right. Hey, check it out. Monday Night Football, Dixie Grill in IAEA. Coming up a little later on in the program, we're going to give away a gift certificate so you can enjoy a little south in your mouth. But uh, that's your new home for Monday Night Football here on the west side. You can catch the game and score 32-ounce Bud Lights for just 6 bucks. Complimentary popcorn, southern-inspired football poo-poo. And guess what? They actually turn up the volume so you can hear the game. <laughs> then from 7 to 9... You can win all kinds of prizes because it's also Trivia Night, hosted by Geeks Who Drink. It's Dixie Grill, where there's always something smoking. Kachi Kachi Music Makawao. Gary and Chris here this Aloha Friday morning on ESPN Honolulu. A lot of great college football coming up this week. No University of Hawaii. They're only by an eight straight week coming up after that at Mountain West play. Speaking of the Mountain West, one of the uh, interesting games this weekend, Boise State hosting San Diego State. San Diego State didn't disappointing. They escaped with a win last Saturday against Toledo with a touchdown with about a minute left, less than a minute left in that game. Boise State last week loses to UTEP on the road 27-10. They have a new offensive coordinator. Hank Bachmeyer is no longer there in the portal. I don't know what to make of this game. I think both teams have been disappointing. And Boise State at home, they are the favorite. But that's going to be an interesting game to watch to see how good these teams are with conference play and that's one of the things i've been one of the things i've been talking about for the last month is when you see these teams in september late august when they're playing teams not on their level you really can't really judge how good a team is you know and i brought up michigan several times four and oh number four in the country they beat colorado state hawaii yukon and maryland maryland was their biggest win they only won by seven you don't really know how good they are. We were talking earlier about UCLA, undefeated. But who have they beaten? Nobody. So with conference play, I think it really shows the true team, how good they are. And right. for Boise so far, even though they should have, by past history, been a real dominant team in September, they weren't. But conference play really changes teams so often. I think that's about to start. We were talking about UCLA off the air. So if folks are wondering about that comment when they heard, we were talking about UCLA and for you have a good point. Bring up the preseason college football rankings. Now it looks pretty accurate when you go with Ala, you know your top four with Alabama and Ohio State and Georgia and Clemson, and you can see that. But then look at that number five, Notre Dame. <laughs> Notre Dame's the fifth best team in the country. Uh, Baylor has slipped from what you know because of that loss to I can't remember who they lost to BYU. Baylor, you know they've slipped down a little. They're still nationally ranked. Oregon and Oklahoma State, basically they are who we thought they were. Same with USC. Um, how good is Miami? How good is Michigan State? Is Pitt still nationally ranked? Yes. Um, let's see. Kentucky is a lot better than they thought they were. Ole Miss is, you know, they'll be between 21, 22, and 15, probably all season long if they keep it up. But um, Houston, nationally ranked. Well, they don't belong there. But the biggest one is Notre Dame. What happened? It's like, yeah, I mean, they're not just good. 
They're elite. They're number five. And now they're nowhere to be seen. Florida was ranked preseason. Not preseason. It counts. But, I mean, in, in August and September. And they beat Utah in week one. Everybody goes, yeah, Florida's great. Utah's not that good maybe at number seven. I think Utah's legit. Florida, and they, I think they are. They're probably not ranked anymore. But they had a three and a two and one start, and they were still ranked in the top twenty-five. I don't think they deserved that at all, and it's, it's like that every year. But I think again, just with conference play, forget about the uh, rankings in the top twenty-five. When conference play starts and you're playing teams on your level, it changes things. And I think that's one of the reasons I like the polls starting in October, not the preseason. Everybody says it's fun to talk about. In a way, it is, but it's so deceiving. I, I'd really rather have them not have it until right around now. Right, and there's other teams that nobody ever talked about, and now you know you're, you're you're talking about. Well, at one point, up until last week, Duke football, Florida State football. A lot of these guys are coming back. Kansas, Kansas, and they they look good for them. This is their best year in a very long time because they almost never win, and they are winning now, and they're almost ranked. Who went to Kansas? Was it Dick Butkus or Gale Sayers? Gale Sayers. Gale Sayers. Dick Butkus went to Illinois, I think, right? Yes, yes. All right. Uh, okay, it's uh, our top stories coming up next here on this Aloha Friday on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Well, good morning. Happy Aloha Friday. We're the Sports Animals. Top stories we're following today. Of course, uh, uh, we'll get into more on uh, concussions in the NFL and Tua Tonga-Vailoa. But today, it's game day for the Rainbow Wahine. You can catch them this afternoon on the radio. Yeah, they'll be playing Cal State Fullerton. As we mentioned, 345 Our coverage will start on ESPN Honolulu. Tiff Wells on the call. And Hawaii's off to a really good start last week in Big West play. Wasn't, wasn't as easy on Saturday night against Riverside, trailing in that second set 17-9. But they come up with a sweep in both matches. And I really think that that reverse sweep against USC a few weeks ago may have changed things for the team. They have struggled a little bit in the uh, pre-conference play before that and that loss of week before or two weeks before to UCLA was a tough one when it looks like they had that match won but the USC one looked like they were about to lose they win that in the reverse sweep have the bye and they look pretty impressive last week the road is always a lot tougher but this team has done so well in the Big West 18 and 2 last year and all reports indicate once again no at large in the Big West, it'll be the automatic winner, the automatic qualifier, so it's important to win every match. Yeah, before we get into playoff times, the season is just underway, but I'd love to see us after tonight being 3-0 and in Big West conference play. And hopefully 4-0 tomorrow. They've got a team that, again, beat Long Beach State earlier in Fullerton, so maybe they're not the pushover that some people might have thought. We've got uh, – there's a lot of uh, great college football matchups this weekend, lots of people talking about Alabama and Arkansas. What games are you looking at this weekend in college football, besides the big one between Boise State and San Diego State? Well, I always look at the Mountain West games, of course. And just one more Mountain West game, because it's a game for today, is that uh, UNLV against New Mexico. UNLV made believe, a believer out of me last week. Maybe Utah State, well, not maybe, Utah State not as good as we thought. The loss to Weaver State a few weeks earlier. And UNLV was ahead in that game on the road all game long. So they looked really, really good. And that's a, that's a legitimate 
good team in the Mountain West, which I don't think I've ever said that before. As far as other games I'm looking forward to uh, yes, this, thank you. this weekend, Wisconsin, I want to see if Wisconsin can bounce back. That's one game in the Big Ten. Mm. They have struggled, and they've got Illinois at home. But, again, they, they have struggled a little bit early, early this season, even though it wasn't against New Mexico State because they beat them 66-7. to and, again, not an indicator on how good they may or may not be. We talked about the rankings earlier. That's a team that's usually a top 25 team. But they lose at home to Washington State in September, a team on their level, so to speak, and at home. Big win for Washington State. For Wisconsin, that was a tough loss. I wonder about them. I also look at Florida State. They've been a surprise this year. They're undefeated. And they're at home. They have a good Wake Forest team this weekend. Now I want to see if Florida State can continue this because we know – They've been down the last few years, and a lot of people thinking they're back at 4-0. They probably are back, but are they a real contender for the ACC championship? Speaking of the ACC, Clemson and NC State. NC State looks to be a real legitimate team. They're good. They've been viewed as good before the year. They haven't missed a beat. Clemson is better than they were last year, and that is a really big matchup in ACC play this weekend. All right, uh, other headlines we're looking at. The playoff race, it's heating up in uh, Major League Baseball. We're coming. How many more games have got left? Anywhere from five to seven. Uh, most teams have six, three this weekend, three Monday through Wednesday. The Yankees will have four. Uh, for the Milwaukee Brewers, we're concerned more, I guess, about Colton Wong. They've been playing a little bit better. They've only won five of their last ten, but the Phillies, who they're trying to leapfrog, have only won three of seven games. So the Brewers are a half game out of that wild card spot behind the Phillies. And for the Brewers this weekend, they host Miami. Miami, a team that is not good. They've already lost 91 games. But then you look at Philadelphia, they go to Washington, who's lost 101 games. So both teams should continue to win. It's probably going to come down to next week for both teams, and hopefully Colton Wong can get in the playoffs. Philadelphia look like they're doing a little bit of a choke job right now, the opposite of their football team. All right, uh, Tua Tagovailoa, the uh, sports world still reacting to the concussion. A lot of different angles here uh, with Tua. One of them is that DeMoris Smith, the head of the NFLPA, the Players Association, he vows to pursue every legal option regarding on the handling of Tua back on Sunday. So you mentioned earlier, and I thought it was a good point, if Tua doesn't get hurt in this game, we're not talking about this today. But it's almost like for the future health of professional football players or any other boxers, fight, any kind of fighters, Guys who have high rates of concussion, maybe even people in the military, the, um, the, the more has to be done, I think, by checking a box on a checklist after you leave a game. There's, there's, there's got to be some kind of eye test. But how do you quantify an eye test? I don't know. That's what I think the smart people are going to have to try and figure out. I would think it'd even be more than just an eye test because an eye test you can maybe fake your way through it. If I mean, and maybe the doctors. I mean, I'm, I know the doctors. No, 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 are no, 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 no. The, the eye test is when you stumble on the field holding your head. That doesn't pass the eye test. So when you're, that's what I'm talking about. The eye test. If somebody bangs their head and their 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 hands lock up, well, yeah. you, you don't even need a, a to go down the protocol list. Mr. Neurologist on the sideline, we'll take it from here. Take away the, send the guy to the hospital, first of all, 
and take away his helmet for a few weeks. Take That's what I'm saying, passing the eye test, but how do you put that in writing? I think That's got, my question. I think there's got to be more extensive uh, tr- testing. You can't just, you know, talk to the guy, maybe, you know, see what he's, how his eyes look and, you know, how many number, how many fingers am I holding up and things like that. Now, in some of these cases, maybe the guy just got the wind knocked out of him, so to speak, and it's only a temporary thing where it's not a concussion. But you got to err on the side of caution and safety. I understand that. They've got to add more to what they're doing as far as the testing. I know the NFL did come down on that after the lawsuit, how many years ago it was, five, ten years ago, and it was ongoing, and that's a good thing. It might not be enough. I, I I don't like to think that because of what Tua has gone through in the last five days, that a lot of has to change just based on him. It should be changed just for the safety of the players and the game. What situation shouldn't necessarily make everything switch. It's enough to make people think more about it and maybe do more, but they should have done it already. This is nothing new, although this situation is a little unique, I guess. Well, why? Why? Because it happened on a Sunday and a Thursday. I mean, it you don't have that. On, it happened on national TV, and we saw part one on Sunday. This was part two on Thursday. That's why it was important. That why it's for the battle against concussions in pro sports. This is why yesterday was groundbreaking, in my opinion. They're going to up their level of everything, from investigations to protocols to everything, from this. I mean, if they'll they'll call it one day the Tua rule or something like that. That's why it was. That's why it was important. I think. That's why it had so much impact because we saw it unfold before us. We saw but, him, Barrett Amalu, the guy who's the inspiration for the movie Concussion on Sunday, say, "No way, that guy should have been out there." And I didn't think much of it. I thought, "No, come on, what are you talking about? You're overreacting." He went through the protocols. He said he was fine. Came back and threw a twenty-yard strike down the field. That guy, you know, that guy's overreacting. Well, we should just like in pro, the the movie Concussion, they should have listened to him a long time ago, and we should have listened to him on Monday morning. That's what's um, that's why yesterday was so important. It's why the sports world is a buzz with this topic today, and tomorrow, and next week, especially as this investigation goes on. I don't think the national TV part is as significant because every I game think is. It is. I well, think it is because when Ray Rice, you saw the video of him punching his girlfriend in the elevator. We didn't think much of it. When we actually saw the video of it, okay, everything changed. Didn't everything change? Yeah, but, but as, my as point far as about the rules and breaking down and all of that. When you see nat- it on video, for some reason. We tend to take it a little more seriously, which is But every game is basically on national TV. When you have the Sunday ticket, you go to a sports bar streaming, the red zone, you're going to see every game anyway. It's not that it was the only game last night. That's a little bit more. But on Sunday, you can watch every game from wherever you are anyway. So I don't think fact- at, what I'm getting at is we saw the beginning. We saw part one on Sunday. Four days later, people were what, a lot of people were wondering about this. I wasn't, and perhaps I should have. A lot of people were wondering, okay, should he be in this game? And then you see the, the violent hit he took, and you went, oh, my gosh, we really got to do something about this. John is calling in at 808-296-1420. Hi, John. Hey, I think they need to widen the parameters on this uh, so-called con- concussion uh, uh, protocol because they basically said, well, uh, he can go back in the game because he just has a back injury. I'm like, gee whiz, there's quadriple- quadriplegics, hmm. uh, you know, because you have, like, back injuries. So, uh you know, maybe it shouldn't just be like the head. You should uh, 
like if some guy messes up his back, then you maybe they should start start taking that part more seriously. But is it a temporary thing in some of these cases? Are we going to now, and football is a violent sport, as we hear, we keep saying, are they going to now, anytime anybody gets sacked and he gets up not looking 100%, say, get him out of the game right now? I mean, that's really taking it to an extreme. And I'm not saying they shouldn't do that, but where do you draw the line? It can't be because he wobbled a little bit that automatically he's out, although Sunday looked bad enough in that that situation. John, thank you for calling in. So define he doesn't look that good. He just got sacked. He doesn't look that good. Well, he was wobbling when he when he couldn't walk yeah. straight. Yeah. So when you can't that walk straight, yes. you take him out. If they can't walk straight, you have to take the player out. Sure. Oh, sure, sure. Okay, but what John okay. is saying, but what John is saying, is I, that understand. The, I understand. I understand. To widen those parameters again, I, I and I'm not trying to say that you know you should let these guys play injured and not worry in certain situations necessarily. But where would you draw the line on removing a player? If you're going to do it that way, almost any time a guy doesn't get up immediately, are you going to take him out of the game for a half, a game, or a month? And it's a hard one, and I think that's what Demar Smith and you know, not not that they're thinking that way necessarily, but they want the NFL to treat this situation that it's that serious and not let these guys further injure themselves and maybe destroy their destroy their life, which is great. But I, where do you draw the line on how what a guy is removed from a game? Because then you're really changing the sport. Guys get hurt all the time, and again, to a situation was really unique, really extreme. That was a little different. But there are guys that get hurt, and, you know, maybe the day later, maybe later in the game, they are okay. You know, so so every time somebody is down for more than a second or two, what are you going to do then? I I think that we're getting a little bit away from it. When you're talking about, and this is a term that keeps coming up, is gross motor instability. That's all. If you get sacked and you're laying on the ground because it, you're, you lost your breath or whatever, if you get up, if you see someone hit their head and they get up and they can't walk, that's gross motor instability, Gary. Okay. So okay. when there's gross motor instability, you don't take a concussion test. You look at the film, and maybe the referees have to do it. Who knows? You look at the film and go, okay, that guy can't walk. He's done. You don't do the whole. You can do the test the next day. There's no question in my mind. There's no question. There's no neuro, neurological consultant on the sideline that's going to make that decision. Let the referees do it and look at him. And go, okay, this guy can't walk. It's obvious. But and the that's referees aren't doctors. not a back. No, all I'm I'm judging gross motor instability. Gross motor instability. When they wobble, they can't play. You don't need to be a doctor. You and I weren't. People weren't doctors when they saw Tua get up. You were the first one on the air that, the next morning on this radio station and say, that doesn't look like back pain. Well, you're not a doctor. You're far from it. So am I. Yeah. So you, we can recognize gross motor instability, can't we? Yes, and the NFL, a few years ago, they put a doctor up in the booth. I forget exactly what type, probably along those lines. But they had the ability to tell the referee or the team to take that guy out of the game. Yeah. I'm not sure if it was Russell Wilson a few years ago who was told by upstairs to remove him from the game. And he ended up Good. going back in and was on his own. But there's somebody upstairs that can see these situations and says, get him out of there. All right. Well, and that's a good get, step. Well, let's get this guy on the line and figure out what's going on. Why didn't somebody on Sunday say, that's not a back problem? Good point. I, and I didn't think of that till after the fact from Sunday, but that has been established, and that's a good thing on the NFL. I like that. 
because you have somebody who's unbiased, so to speak. He's not working. And I know the doctor was independent, as we heard, for Miami, and every team has that. But the guy upstairs, is he's just interested in one thing, player safety and making sure a guy's not on the field when he shouldn't be. And I don't know what happened in his situation, his or her situation on Sunday, but I'm glad the NFL has taken that step. Now have they used it enough? I'm not sure. But I know they've used it as far as taking guys off the field in the past. Mm. All right, it's quarter after 7, 808-296-1420 is the Zephyr Insurance text line. Um, This texter says, what would the media say if Tua said he didn't want to play because he got hit in the head? Smart guy. Yeah. I would, I would. I wouldn't second guess him. Well, yeah, but there were people who would be. Yeah. You know, because there were people who said on Sunday, you know what? You just showed your team that you got your bell rung, but, hey, you're there for them. You're going out in the second half, and you're competing. And that's maybe why he's a team captain. That's why he's so loved by his teammates. But I get the text. Maybe people will see this. The To steal from Rob Ninkovich, 44-year-old Tua Tonga-Vailoa is going to look back at 24-year-old Tua Tonga-Vailoa and say, why did I go back into that game? Listen to a lot of players now who've had concussion problems, and they'll, they'll tell you the exact same thing over and over and over again. We saw it on the broadcast last night, and other people chiming in either on social media or in traditional media saying, you know what, I wish that I didn't go back into that game. It's tough. You're a warrior. You're 24 years old. You're playing for your next contract got to get back in that game anyway how often talk- oh. say how often have you heard a guy though say what you suggested with Tua hey I'm not going back in there I might have something serious there and I, I mean it's just the nature of the sport but I wish people would do that I wouldn't ridicule them or put them down Mark Venary UH football analyst joins us next on ESPN Honolulu 92.7 FM and 1420 AM We are done having a UH football game this week. Again, they are in their one and only by the season conference play starting next week at San Diego State. Still a lot to recap from last week and what's ahead with maybe the new offensive look as we are joined here on ESPN Honolulu. He's the color analyst on ESPN Honolulu for UH football play-by-play for high school on CBS 1500. Mark Finneri joins the show. And, Mark, let's start with the good, if that's possible, from last week. I thought the offense and maybe more specifically Braden Shager, had their best game of the season so far. Yes, and uh, thanks for having me, guys. Um, you know, it's, it's good to see some of the concepts that, you know, Timmy Chang, uh, you know, installed with some of the offense uh, this past week at New Mexico State. Obviously very disappointing in the outcome, but uh, with the highest passing total, 261 yards by Braden Shager, um, I think it just becomes being familiar and comfortable with the schemes, and uh, people who know the run and shoot very well, it's, it's a very difficult scheme to run. Uh, I mean, there's no doubt about it. It takes time. It takes time for the receivers to learn coverage. It, it, you know, a lot of it is not a big playbook, but a lot of it is based off of coverage. And um, with this bye week and installing it, you know, with New Mexico State, I think if you're looking at timing, 
in terms of airing out the football, I think. Um, but also just understanding that it is going to take time. And the positive that uh, we can see from this is that, hey, look, we're able to – we can throw the ball. We got protection when it's needed. And not, not only that, I think this, this, coming, uh, this coming week against San Diego State, um, getting Zion Bowens back, uh, Chucky Hines coming back, uh, getting some guys healthy that can be immediate contributors in the passing scheme uh, will really help this football team. I know we had you on last week before the game, and we were, you were kind of hinting at least about the run and shoot coming back. Timmy Chang mentioned before the game there will be some changes that the fans will be happy about. Do you think we would have seen more of that if the situation in the game played out differently as far as Hawaii not trailing by so much early on? Uh, I, I think so. Um, one of the things I think at this point, I think the offense had uh, some bright spots. I think one of the concerns was more on the defensive side. I think the lack of depth in, in the sense that uh, we were banged up, you know. I, you know, having Jordan Murray, Caleb, Caleb Phillips as well, uh, being a receiving, you know, kind of the receiving uh, part of the receiving core, um, it, it's it's difficult. I mean, I I get you know Jordan Murray is a big target, Caleb Phillips is a big target, uh, but when you're looking at again the run and shoot scheme, you're looking at separation as well, um, and they don't have that type of separation in terms of you know the four four or four three four five type of speed. Uh, that can take a top off of defense. Now, they're big, they're physical. I think they'll offer a little bit more uh, when the concepts get dialed in. Um, but again, I, I think I think uh, it, it was a bright spot for the moment. I, I think it, it's, a, it's a glimpse of what this offense is capable of. I'd also like to see the running backs a little bit more involved. I think we did fall back offensively on what we know, um, what we've implemented with Coach Shoemaker. Um, but I think as the weeks progress and we get better in understanding of what we're trying to do offensively, um, I, I think the offense will progress as well. Mark Veneri joining us via the Aloha Kia hotline on ESPN Honolulu talking UH football. So when you think about the running shoot, and maybe we'll see more of it as the games move ahead, what about Caleb Phillips, the tight end? He added, he had his best game, 11 targets, 138 yards, that long of 40. How do they integrate Caleb Phillips as a tight end with the run and shoot concepts. Well, the cool thing about how Coach Timmy and Coach Shang or Coach Shang described it is, you can still use a tight end in the run and shoot scheme as a two by two set if he's lined up uh, in the tight end. Meaning, if there's two receivers to the right, two receivers to the left, the tight end counts as that receiver within the offense. So, allowing him to still play tight end, but you can line up, up uh, line them up in the slot, which they did quite a bit. And you can tell immediately with Caleb Phillips, he's a mismatch. He's a mismatch for a backer or a, a safety. He's got length. He may not have that separation, but he has that length. He's savvy with his route running. So using him within the tight end position, I, I think at this point he might be the only one um, at that tight end position that could be savvy enough to get to that slot position. They've really been trying to get Jordan Murray out on the outside. I think, just personally, by looking at personnel, I'd probably try to get Jordan Murray uh, back into the slot where he could be also a mismatch nightmare. I, I think Jordan Murray just needs to just uh, – you could see he was a little down on, down on himself. He slipped quite a bit on the turf at New Mexico. Um, he, he, he didn't really get that – he hasn't had that breakout game. And I think all of us have been kind of waiting because, you know, the hype and the – 
the spring game and the preseason, it, it, it was. You could see Jordan Murray is a talent. You can still see that he's a talent. I think getting him the football and also Caleb Phillips is going to be the focal point in which they can build around uh, within this run-and-shoot scheme, but they'll have to be creative. Uh, being creative meaning they'll have to put him at the slot. They'll have to put him at the wide receiver. They'll have to look at mismatches uh, within other defenses that they can exploit uh, to get Jordan Murray and Caleb Phillips a football more. There was talk last week as well that maybe Timmy Chang would be calling plays last Saturday. Do you guys know if he how involved he was with the play calling? I can say that there was a mixture um, between the two. Um, and, and the cool thing is that Coach Hugh and, and Coach Timmy have uh, done a good job of integrating, you know, their styles. I think Coach Shoemaker has a style that, you know, um, that spread type of offense, spread type of concepts. Uh, within the spread, you know, a lot of people don't know, within their offense and the spread, there is a lot of run-and-shoot type of concepts. Um, it's just a matter of the receivers learning learning coverage, and that takes time uh, within the receiver room. Um, but for what I'm, what, from what I understand, there was a mixture. Um, there wasn't a full takeover, but there was a, a lot of collaborative effort. Uh, looking at, I, I guess, the way the best way to put it was when Nick Rolovich was here, um, you, you had Craig Stutzman, the passing game coordinator, you had um, Smitty as the Coach Smitty as the run game coordinator. Um, it's a, it was a collaborative, at least from what I understand, it was a collaborative effort against New Mexico State. We've talked about some of the positives, and you want more than positives in a game against New Mexico State, as we all realized last week. But let's talk about some of the things that were really concerning, where the defense seemingly was getting better every game. They did not take a step ahead last week. They took a big step backward. The running, the rushing numbers for New Mexico State, 350, 357, excuse me, and 206 of them in the first quarter. How is New Mexico State able to run as effectively as they did? Uh, you know, Gary, it, it was one of the most – it was a disappointing – it was disappointing on the defense end. And there's no sugarcoating it. Um, I think Coach Yoro under, uh, knows uh, and understands this. You know, for me, just on co- concept and scheme base, when, you know, you're going to that 4-2-5 type of look where you're using um, a two-backer scheme, I, I thought maybe the adjustment could have been adding another backer uh, within the defense. Um, I thought maybe even stacking the box a little bit more, but when they, they, they have this thing called numbers in the box and when you're outnumbered within the box, like if there's more blockers than defensive players allow and, and within the gap schemes and where they were slanting as well, Gary, I, that middle and just some of the things that they were doing, they were exploiting it by just, you know, simply motioning out of certain things. And this is New Mexico state. And putting Hawaii within a situation where they just didn't have the correct numbers, they, it, just from what it looked like from the the viewer standpoint, watching the game uh, within the broadcast booth. So it, it was tough. It was tough to watch because they were just gashing us at will. I mean, during the game, ten. I mean, you never hear a team average ten and a half yards per carry, and that's that's absolutely insane if if you're running the football and, and, and it was frustrating to watch because we couldn't stop it. There was nothing that we could do to stop it. And I thought the adjustments that could have been made weren't made. And, and I think, you know, coach Yoro and that defensive staff over there, I, I think they understand what happened. And I think, I think they'll get better for it. I, I, I really do. But it was obviously a, a very disappointing to see that, um, you know, we were just bullied up front, and that's just what it was. 
you know, it's funny because you say you don't hear often people say, you know, 10 yards a carry. Here's something you really don't uh, hear very often. New Mexico State, 10 yards a carry. Oh, my gosh. You know what? If, I mean, but, but get this. Here's the encouraging part. If Hawaii can offense can play like they did last time and then our defense played like we did two weeks ago, we got a pretty good football team. I'd agree, Chris. I, I think if the offense can start stepping up, because sometimes a good offense is a good defense. Yeah. And and you you when you remember the the, the days of when we were throwing the ball to run and shoot, our offense scored at will. I, I mean, uh-huh. most of our defenses were on the field, you know, thirty to forty minutes a game at eighty plays. I, Leonard Peters, he was at the gym. I was talking with him the other day, and I, we were kind of having this conversation. He was like, "Man, we were on the field a lot." You, you know, and I was like, "Yeah, you're, you're kind of." You're kind of right, and then you go back in the box scores, and I, I did some research. You know, they were on the field 75, 80, 85 plays a game, and, and wow. that's a lot. You know, <laughs> I, bet those guys, because I bet those guys back then, they're like, hey, can we just run the ball a couple of times, Coach? <laughs> right, just to just to milk the clock, because at times, I mean, there was games where what we would average maybe 20, 25 minutes of time of possession, which is not very much in, in college football, but score 50 points. Yeah. So it's like it's, you know, if you can, I think at this point, too, if we're moving forward with the run and shoot and we're moving forward with the concepts of the run and shoot, you know, sometimes you say, I think in this case, a good offense is a good defense, too. Our defense just needs to do a better job of understanding their concepts. But if we can put up 30, 35 points, if not 40, hey, you know, let's it gives us a chance to win. And I think that's something that I'm looking forward to as we're growing with this team offensively. Um, and I think we all know that the defense can get better. I think there's no sugarcoating, as I mentioned, and um, they'll have to get better uh, when it comes conference time. All right, wait, who are we playing next? I can't remember. San Diego now. State on the road next San Diego Saturday. State. All right, San Diego State. Thank you, Mark. Mark, uh, have a great weekend. Thank you for joining. What do you got this weekend? You, you, your son playing football or anything this weekend? Oh, we got a bye. I don't. I don't often have rest, so um, we have a bye. Wow. I do have come. I do have commitment at St. Louis. I believe. Uh, for tomorrow night uh, for a broadcast. But, I mean, it's it's kind of good to, you know, just kind of take a step back. I think everybody needed a bye week. <laughs> I think everybody <laughs> needed to say, let's, uh, let's, let's get refocused, recentered. Uh, let's get everything going uh, back in a positive direction. Um, and I'm glad the University of Hawaii football team had a bye. And I think everybody can say, okay, let's take a step back and let's just get better moving forward. I, I think that's that's what it is. Yeah, right on. Hey, have a great weekend. We'll hear on the radio tomorrow night. Thank you, Mark Veneri. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate you guys. Thank you, guys. All right, loving you more than my own family. Mark Veneri appears via the Aloha Kia hotline. See you in a Kia. It's 734 with the Sports Animals. And uh, this is the start of the NBA preseason. The Golden State Warriors are playing in Japan. That and more coming up with the Animals here on ESPN Honolulu. For the sports animals on ESPN Honolulu on this Aloha Friday. It's Chris Hart and Gary Dickman, Tanner Hayworth, part of the team here. And uh, there's a lot been going on about the Tua Tonga Vailoa and what should be done and, you know, um, 
all of this stuff that people are talking about and we've been bringing up and you've been texting and calling in about tanner hayworth you're a smart guy probably the smartest of the three what's your whole take on this thing what's your big takeaway from tua tonga vailoa and concussion gate well i think we've been talking a lot about it today and a lot of great points have been made we talk about thursday night football how there's not a lot of rest one of the uh Analyst for Thursday Night Football, Richard Sherman, was probably one of the biggest criticizers of Thursday Night Football during his playing days. Just mm. These guys just don't have enough time to rest, especially if you're the traveling team and right. especially if you're like the Miami defense who was on the field for what felt like hours going against the Bills in that in really— In 100-degree heat. Yeah, in 100-degree heat. So that's one. Thursday Night Football needs to be looked at. Maybe you— you only schedule teams that are coming off buys. Maybe that's a one way to look at it. But mm-hmm. just the health and safety wise, whether it be yeah. them not having as more injuries as it is on other days, there's certainly factors that come into play. Second of all, we can always have the oh Tua shouldn't have been playing in the first place. We all know Tua was going to play because Tua is who he is. Right. Athletes are who they are. They want to play. If right. you, if you are coming off a concussion, you're trying to get out of concussion protocol as fast as possible because mm-hmm. you want to get back on the field. Mm-hmm. And because it's not like a regular injury that you can see, that you can perceive very easily, mm-hmm. in the moment, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal, especially when you are the guy with the concussion. With the concussion. Right. I have personal experience with that. Because I've had multiple times when I played football where I'm like, okay, I got to come in today, got to do the test, I'll do my conditioning once I get out, tomorrow I'll be able to, you know, get back on the field hopefully. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. That's why you have the people that are in the box that are spotters that say, hey, that guy doesn't look good, take his football out of his hands. That's why you have the, that's why you have the independent neurologists that are on the field so that you hope that the team isn't the one that's influencing another player who gets a concussion or might have a concussion, quote-unquote, if they have them, you know, take out of the game. You know, I think that one of the things that we do is, and, and I think some teammates do, is, hey, look at that guy. He's a warrior. He's, he's, he's coming back on the field for his team. I think it's a lot of it comes down to teammates. Not only uh, to say, hey, you don't look okay, well, actually, that is the reason. Is the, the mind frame of teammates needs to be more than anything else because all of the opinions we're hearing are from analysts who were former. They were former football players, and they said, I wish this happened when I played. And it's somebody else saying, hey, you can't play. So hopefully, because this is such a huge story and we're seeing it unravel in front of our eyes, is that, hey, you know what? The mindset of these warriors on the field, their mindset is, okay, this guy's wobbling. Nobody, the rest of us, the 52 other guys out here do not want to see you go back in that game. Not, I respect you because you're a warrior playing for us. I think I think a lot of this has got to change, and it's got to start with the players on the field. And I also want to say that I don't want to put, like, any blame on any of Tua's yes. teammates because – yes. Tua did not, if you were on the field, you probably didn't think that he had a concussion on Sunday. He was acting with deliberation. 
He was getting on teammates who were forgetting their routes, who were messing up their motions. He was deep into leadership mode when he was playing in the game. And his own offensive lineman, I believe Connor Williams said, you know, for that entire game before then, he didn't really seem like he had a concussion at all. Ryan Fitzpatrick, who had an extensive interview with him two days ago, the day before Thursday Night Football, said he didn't feel like Tua was exhibiting anything that would be a long-term effects from that con- from a concussion from Sunday night. So it's or Sunday noon. I don't know when they play yeah, in yeah, Miami, yeah. but uh-huh. I think it's hard to put that responsibility on other players because it is hard to tell in the moment of the game because you will either have the people that will say, "Oh, you're soft. Get back on the field. What are you doing?" Mm-hmm. or "Dude, that was awesome the way that you that you got through that pain that you won that game for us. And it's that pendulum that we ride of not wanting players to be to be playing hero ball. Because that's probably the most dangerous thing in probably all sports. Because right. you're thinking, oh, I'm going to come back from this injury. I can do it. I can do one more play. I can get this touchdown. I can yeah. shoot this three. I can do this. I can do this. But you are going against your body right and i think i think if i can jump in here you know it's such a we talk about it being a collision sport and there's so much contact and you know developments and making better helmets and all of that that's still going to happen no matter what uh the physicalness i mean players are going to get faster and they're going to get stronger and bigger than they are right now so i think again to wrap a little bow on this before we take some texts is that um, it starts with the players and the player. I don't know. Maybe it's not this generation, but maybe this is something the start of something down the line at 808-296-1420. A texter writes in, it starts when they're young, their parents and coaches are telling them to suck it up. I think that's the case. Um, sometimes I see it here in Hawaii in youth football. Suck it up. I've seen a parent slap a kid on the back of the head because he didn't want to go out and play because he was injured. So I think that's partly a good point. And th- here's one from Hank. He says, Tanner deserves his own show. He's concise, explicit, simply put. Hopefully, not, man, too, Tanner. hopefully not too explicit for FCC rules. <laughs> explicit. But, uh, uh, I, yeah, good job, Tanner Hayworth. Okay, so much for the segment on uh, the NBA preseason getting underway. We'll do that coming up next here on ESPN Honolulu. Let's check your traffic. All right, it is the start of the NBA preseason. Basketball is back and all the drama that comes with it. Uh, the Golden State Warriors are playing in Japan against the Washington Generals, I mean Wizards, and uh, that when, what time is that? Or did we miss they it all? They played at like 3 in the morning or 2 in the morning last night. It was on NBA TV. I didn't even bother watching it, uh, but I know it was on at that time. So they're playing a two-game series, I believe. But, you know, they only had three practices for Golden State. That's why Clay Thompson is not playing. And if you're going to have these teams play, you're going to market the team and the brand and everything. That's great. But maybe get them a little bit more in, sh- in game shape or not have them play so quickly after camp start. That's just, you know, one, one of my opinions. But it is cool that they get to play in another country. I'm sure the fans absolutely love it. Yeah. Is that the first time the NBA has played in Japan? 
Oh, I don't think so. No, they've been they've been going there for a while. They've played in China before. Uh, they played in other countries, but I think Japan and China get maybe the the most coverage as far as preseason games. London too in the regular season. We don't, we haven't played in China for a while, have we? No, not for a while. No, no, no. Yeah, the um, so they're they're not playing Clay Thompson. They just say they want to bring him along a little slower. Because of the three, I think what Steve uh, Kerr said mostly that got to me is that they've only had three practices, and they were limiting him last year when he did come back from the injury. And, you know, I feel bad for the fans. They want to see the Golden State Warriors, and it starts with Steph, but Clay is at least Robin to his Batman. But, again, after three practices, I don't think you're going to take a chance. It's too bad for the fans. I don't blame Steve Kerr because the regular season is where it counts, not in the next exhibition game. What is that about? It? How what, uh, It's eight hours from here to Tokyo. So is it like a 12-hour flight? Yeah, yeah. Man, they say. that's a long way to go. Three practices in, let's fly for 12 hours, play a couple of games, and then fly back. Well, yeah, I know, I know. But I understand it's a business, and it helps the NBA. And I guess, you know, they probably pick different teams, so it's not the same team doing it all the time. But you're going to have Golden State being sent around the world whenever possible, of course. The, um, um, the, Brooklyn's, the Brooklyn Nets... Kyrie Irving has uh, come out because you know what's a what's a what's a news cycle without comments from Kyrie Irving? He says that anything's possible for a talented, motivated Ben Simmons. I don't blame him for saying that, and I think that's true. I mean, I think we kind of downplayed Ben Simmons because of all the things he deserves from not taking that dunk and everything that went on in the offseason and sitting out. Do we do we, re- we really think he's injured? We're talking about Tua wanting to play hurt. Ben Simmons doesn't want to play hurt. He doesn't want to play maybe when he's healthy, according to some. But he's also a great player. I mean, he is a great player. He's been an all-star. He's not a top-ten player, but he's really, really good, except for one little aspect, and that's shooting jumpers. So I, I think Kyrie was kind of right on there, but I, I think when healthy, I'm hoping Ben Simmons can add a lot, but I think people are forgetting how good he was. Can't you teach yourself how to be a good jump shooter? It's happened in the past. What's his problem? I know. Magic Johnson was not a great jump shooter when he came in the league. Michael Jordan wasn't a great jump shooter. LeBron James wasn't a great outside shooter. Their strength was taking it to the hole. Magic was a great passer, but they worked on it. Yeah, that's there's no excuse for that. It's almost like not being a good free throw shooter. But you that's can work why, on it. But that's why I think people are 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 aren't that positive when it comes to Ben Simmons. Yeah. Now yeah. part of it is he's got mental illness, and there's a certain segment of the country or the fan base who goes, "Well, I don't believe you. What are your feelings hurt or whatever?" You know, and um, it's things are a little more serious than that. It just hasn't been. Um, we're all a little ignorant when it comes, unless we're dealing with or know someone personally who's dealing with a mental illness. But with Ben Simmons, so it's kind of it's like a concussion we were talking about earlier. You can't see it, so how bad can it be? So it's that. But at the same time, how long have you been in the league now? Six years, give or take a year. You think you'd try and get get a little better in the areas that you're not good at? Oh, Especially yeah. when they're paying you the money they are? Isn't Imagine- it your responsibility to try and be better for the team, the fans, and the sport in general? He, imagine how good he would be if he was just a decent outside shooter. I mean, he would be he'd be an all-star every single year, second or third team All-NBA every year if he had a decent jump shot. It doesn't have to be Steph Curry or Klay Thompson. But... Okay. So what's the difference between, and this is off the top of my head, what's the difference between Ben Simmons and Shaquille O'Neal? They didn't work hard enough in the offseason. There was a video of Ben Simmons working on a jumper in the offseason this year. Wow. 
What a concept. You're right. They didn't work hard enough on that one aspect. Shaq, I mean, Shaq was kind of not really one-dimensional, but we know what his strength was, no pun intended. Ben Simmons has a lot of good skill set. Shooting a jump shot, you can work on it. Again, you don't have to be Steve Kerr. That'd be great, Steve Kerr or Steph Curry. But you didn't, it doesn't seem like he's really gotten better at all. What has he made, what, two, three-pointers in his career, and I might be off by a few? I think he's uh-huh. made about – I think Shaq made one. Shaq, it's understandable he's not a three-point shooter. No, ben I wasn't Simmons, getting a three-point shooter. I know, I know. Talking about foul shot. I know, okay. I know. But Ben Simmons, again, you work on it. There's no excuse. There's no excuse for him not being a better jump shooter. At least better. At least better than he's been, which is probably in the low 30s. Not only that, he's afraid to shoot jump shots. Reluctant. Maybe not afraid. That's the wrong word. He's got to keep the defense honest. And even if you miss a few, that's good in a way. But you're not even daring the defense to cover you. And that hurts some teams. Yeah. All right. Well, the NBA. So when does the season start? October eighteenth, regular season. And then starts. we start paying attention. At, then we start paying attention at Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just like we're starting start. to pay attention to baseball right now as we <laughs> yeah. head into the playoffs. All yeah. right. Hey, it's the Sports Animals on this Aloha Friday. This is the Bobby Curran Show. We'll be back with top stories next on ESPN Honolulu. Top stories on this Aloha Friday. Game day for the Rainbow Wahine. They look to stay undefeated in Big West Volleyball. And Tiff Wells on the call at 345 this afternoon on ESPN. Honolulu against Cal State Fullerton, or some people like to call them Fullerton State. Okay, uh, big games in college football coming up. Big uh, weekend in the NFL as well. I like Clemson and NC State. That's one of the big games I'm looking at. Two top ten teams, but there's a whole bunch of great conference games as opposed to early September when there are a lot of mismatches, so it gets really good starting now. All right, of course, the playoff race is heating up. We've been going over that. I'm hoping – now we got five to seven games left, right, is what you're yeah. saying in Major yeah. League Baseball. And Aaron Judge has 61 home runs. Is he going to run out of time to break the record? I don't think so. They have seven games left. They're the team with seven, a four-game series with a doubleheader against Texas later on. We will cut into his at-bat before volleyball today on ESPN Honolulu, maybe get one or two if we're lucky. I think he'll get it at home this week, and I think there was a lot of pressure to get 61. Maybe he's a little looser now. Mm, okay. And uh, Tua Tagovailoa has been in the news of his health. Mike McDaniels, the head coach, is having a uh, press conference now. you got a couple of uh, – uh, um, a couple of little gems from that, Tanner? Yeah, so what we've heard, this was from about six, seven minutes ago, that Tua should be finishing up an MRI right about now. They said he's also gone through x-rays and CAT scans as well. Uh, he, like we all know, he did fly home with the team last night. Uh, Mike McDaniel said he and Tua watched McGruber on the plane. Uh, he said Tua found it, was having a good time watching the movie. Uh, going, but he did say he was experiencing headaches, you know, going on the plane last night, as well as exhibiting some of the same symptoms from today. Uh, then I'm trying to find, sorry, I'm just trying to look through all of these quotes. While you're doing that, Joe Shad, and I saw this somewhere, I think it was in an article today, uh, in one of the outlets, but uh, Joe Shad tweeted, um, Mike McDaniel said, 
Tua was asked when he was that when he got hurt, he was asking for me. Yeah. When I got there, I could tell it wasn't the same guy I was used to seeing. Isn't that scary? Yes. I, I, I wonder. I, I was kind of weird that he was asking for the coach. You would think maybe he'd ask for his family or something, but that was that was something. That, the guy just got his bell rung more yeah. than anything we'll ever know. Anything else, Tanner? Uh, here it is. So when he was when Mike McDaniel was asked about possibility of putting Tua on IR, he said, "I'm not even thinking about timetables as a player. It's about yeah. Tua as a person. We're just worried about him getting healthy, getting all the testing done. We'll cross the bridge on timetables." All right. So that was uh, just a few minutes ago. Now we do the top stories, and you're w- welcome to call in or text the Zephyr Insurance text line at 808-296-1420. By the way, Sean Green is the co-founder of the SPG Network Sports Gambling Podcast Network. He's going to be joining us in 15 minutes. But here's some of the bottom stories that uh, we haven't been able to cover. And one of them is, this is so bizarre. The UFC has a big fight card tomorrow at their Apex facility, their place in Las Vegas. Remember? where they'd have the fights when COVID was here. Right. So um, they're going to have a big fight card, uh, UFC fight night tomorrow, but it's closed to the public, and it's closed to the media. And nobody knows why, although they think because it was leaked by one of the fighters, Mackenzie Dern. She's fighting in the main event. She told reporters uh, a couple of days ago, the reason the apex is closed to the media and public is is because it's uh, Mark Zuckerberg uh, is going to be there. So Mark Zuckerberg um, is uh, reserved. He's rented out the Apex facility. A lot of people know that Zuckerberg's a big uh, mixed martial arts fan. So he wants to go to the fight, but uh, he doesn't want anyone else to be there while he's watching. I mean, you can see why... are you surprised why he did on the island of Kauai? He did the things he did. Right, right. What a jerk! Why don't you just yeah. go to the game? Right, I know. Go to the go to the card. Show up. Go in a special area that's roped off where people can't talk to you. If that's the big problem. Yeah, I didn't like that. I didn't like what Dana White said either. He said, "Well, we just thought the media needed the night off." <laughs> Come yeah, on. yeah. Come on, Dana. <laughs> well, you know it's true, but I mean, you know, <laughs> he's. He's the master of his domain. There's nobody above Dana White. So you say whatever you want. And you know what? We just, as, as uh, sports fans, go, well, that's Dana White. Not not, not expecting to get any uh, any more out of that. Judge, uh, jury, and executioner, I guess. He calls the shots. Air Force football has been placed on two years probation for recruiting violations. Are you kidding me? They're <laughs> the government. You know, the government broke the law. That never happens. No, no. I laugh at that headline as well. Of all the schools, you would think Army, Navy, and the Air Force would be the least capable of cheating. Uh, and recruiting, at least, and recruiting. Right. I mean, at least the, or the, the, the Navy is, you know, polluting our, our drinking water here. <laughs> was it Who was it, the Marines or was it the Navy that's uh, dumping sewage into Pearl Harbor? You know, that, and then, you know, for years trying to cover stuff up. But the Air Force, they never get in trouble. That's why they're called the Chair Force. I've just offended about 50,000 people listening on this radio show. We might even have to hit that little red button that's in the studio. But anyway, that was just what you don't. You, 
for somebody as is supposed to be as disciplined as they are in military officer training that they are uh, they're, they're they're breaking the rules. They're basically uh, having kids on campus and recruiting during dead periods. I say, you know what? We're the government. We will say when and where the dead periods are. We're the Air Force. That's be their slogan or their motto. I, you know, something like that I don't think is very severe, even though it's against the rules. I mean, if they follow, if they promise somebody, hey, we'll let you have your own plane after two years or something like that, or, you know, we'll promote you earlier, that's pretty bad. But just in the dead period, again, I know there's that rule for reasons, but that's not that severe. But still, it was kind of funny to see that headline. This is a new segment that's unraveling before our eyes, and it's called The Bottom Five. More bottom five stories here with the sports animals on the Bobby Curran Show. Next one. Uh, two really crappy NBA teams traded crappy players for each other. <laughs> yes, the Houston Rockets and the Oklahoma City Thunder had like an eight-player trade. Yeah, you don't see trades this at this time <laughs> of the year ever. Tra- I mean, training camp just started, and a lot of I nobodies in this trade. I was always wondering when Theo Maladon, when he would, where he would be playing. I just bought his jersey, and now I got to get rid of it because he got traded to another team. I mean, Derek Favors was the number two pick many years ago by New Jersey back then. Uh, you had Marquise Chris, another lottery pick out of UW, I believe Phoenix drafted him. But none of those guys have had really significant yeah. careers. Still, that's a weird trade. I think what what they get is that they get an extra second round pick. Houston does, but one yeah. of the guys was traded three times this summer. Um, Mo Harkless, three times he's been traded this summer. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know about you, but I can't picture David Nawaba in a Thunder uniform. <laughs> I know, it's going to be hard, to, <laughs> but you got to get that jersey while you can. It's going to be on sale at NBA.com probably uh, by tomorrow morning. All right, what else do we got here? Oh, Patrick Reed, live golfer Patrick Reed, is. Uh, I guess he's a, has a $750 million defamation lawsuit against them uh the the uh the golf channel and employees uh brandel chambly damon hack shane bacon and eamon lynch i don't know who eamon lynch is but uh I, because they called him a liar they call here, here they labeled him a cheater liar a thief and murderer and someone who accepts blood money from terrorists they so covered it all huh they did i guess i mean you can't argue with the cheater part you know i'd take that out of the lawsuit but you know a liar i mean why is he a liar i, I don't understand and i mean do you think he's losing 750 million dollars in future earnings by those comments uh i don't know uh but why is he a thief what did he steal and he didn't actually murder somebody See, I guess where he's getting, he's just trying to teach these guys a lesson. Yeah, yeah. Patrick Reed's, he's a black hat. And he was a black hat on the PGA Tour, and now he's uh, trying to get back at him. But it's funny. It's like the uh, the Live Tour, all these guys a little while ago, they tried to um, they tried to sue the PGA for, I don't know, the Monopoly thing and damages and all of that because they can't play freely between the tours. Yeah. And they, the judge said, well, usually when you're suing for damages – you're damaged but you guys are you guys all got a hundred million dollars so i think you're fine case closed i thought that was totally hilarious speaking of the speaking of the uh live tour rory mcelroy 
says, and, and, and this doesn't, in my eyes, this doesn't make Rory look good. Brandel Chambly is, uh, if you're not a golfer, he's like the Chris Berman, I guess, of the Golf Channel. How Chris Berman would kind of be the face of Sports Center or ESPN. And, and that's this cat, Brandel Chambly. And so he's been, you know, tweeting. He doesn't say much on the air because they don't deal with the live tour much on the Golf Channel or Golf Central, which is their version of Sports Center. But on social media, he's been, wow, really, really really outspoken using words like murderers and things like that rory mcelroy hasn't been that harsh but rory mcelroy every time you stick a microphone in front of him at a press conference before a golf event has something negative to say about the live tour and how it's bad for the sport and those people are bad people and it's a mess and now he's coming out saying that um this fight between Live Golf and the PGA Tour is quote unquote ripping itself apart. It's ripping the, the sport of golf, ripping of, apart the sport of golf. I wish that these two sides would get together, not because I want a lack of drama, but can you imagine if when you play the President's Cup or the uh, what's that other cup called, the uh, Ryder Cup? Ryder Cup. Thank you. When you play those, it's us against them. It's a team function. Can you imagine if they had a cup between the Live Tour golfers and the PGA Tour golfers? I mean, those guys would be going at it like Bob Barker and Adam Sandler. You know, and they'd be. It's like no, the price is wrong. I mean, you could. That would be the, the spectator event of the year, and you don't even have to like golf. And you'll see the hatred that these guys have against each other. But anyway, um, yeah, he says they're ripping itself apart. But the reason I bring that up is because, Rory, you were one of the guys that are responsible for ripping the sport apart. Don't complain now. This is what you wanted, isn't it? He kept making all those comments earlier. Yeah, kind of cool if they do that. Maybe instead of having, well, in addition to having like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers golf every June, maybe have also PGA versus Live, the All-Stars. Top five in each. Top five in each. I would love head it. Head to head. And, and then have them like those uh, celebrity boxing matches, you know, <laughs> yeah. where, where um, Danny Bonaducci is in the ring with uh, somebody else. By the way, happy birthday to Greg Williams, uh, Barry Williams today. You remember Barry Greg, Williams. Greg Brady. Greg Brady. Sure. Okay. Greg Brady, 68 years old. Wow. It's a sunshine day. Everybody's laughing. Does sunshine he still live in the day. same house? Uh, it's a great house. And, you know, when Joe Namath popped by, you know, it's unfortunate what happened to Marsha. That's right. Alice is always in the kitchen cooking something nice. (laughs) With an apron. She's always lend a helpful ear, Alice. Um, Greg, get off the phone. It's Marsha's turn. Okay. Uh, Back to our last uh, bottom five story. Live Golf is nearing a deal to buy airtime to broadcast events on Fox Sports. You see, Live Golf isn't on television it's streamed on youtube and i enjoy the broadcasts i enjoy the broadcasts because they're not governed by the fcc now nothing against the fcc that's how i've made my livelihood (laughs) from this business but the f you know there's things that you can do on youtube that you can't do on broadcast television which makes the broadcast really cool you really feel like you're inside the ropes but um when you're watching youtube you can see how many people are watching they'll say like 54,000 people are, right. are, are watching with you. 54,000 people doesn't seem like a big number to me. 
So that's why I'm guessing, because with all of the all of the um, cable channels out there, how many channels do we have on Spectrum? 141, whatever it is. At least. With all of those channels out there, you would think somebody would want to have Live Golf as content, even if it's the, oh gosh, Freeform Network or or whatever. Is somebody, the, the the comedy channel maybe for this instance? <laughs> who knows? But uh, I guess they can't even get a uh, they can't even get a, a a TV deal. I'm guessing because of the whole Saudi Arabia connection, not because, you know, not because the golf is bad or anything. I mean, the XFL has a has a contract with Disney and ESPN. Live Tour is nothing more than the XFL. Some might argue. So why can't they get a deal? It's got to be the Saudi Arabia yeah. deal. But Looks like they're going to get on TV, and they're going to just buy the time. That's so bizarre that they have to do that. So I guess if it was, is with Fox, they get to get the money from the live tour. They get to get the money from the advertisers, whoever they might be. It's a win-win for them. But to think of that concept that somebody is paying. It's like, do you ever think MLB or the NBA would pay a station to broadcast their games? No, they get no. paid. <laughs> right, right. But it, it's um... – it could actually make them more money because they control the advertising inventory now. So they could charge oh, they more would? for that. Yeah, they don't, they're they buying the block of time. Oh, okay. okay so okay. They, they will own the advertising inventory, and they could make a ton more. But then again, who's going to openly sponsor that? Maybe that's why they didn't get a TV deal now that I'm speaking about this. That's probably why they didn't get a TV deal because maybe the networks thought, well, Who's going to want to advertise that openly and let they know, let them know they support it? Now you'll see golfers wear Nike apparel and Adidas and other things like that. They're not, they're not pulling their sponsorship from these guys, but they're also not coming forward going, "Yeah, live golf, way to go!" Right. I, I just wish they could go out and play each other. That's all. Oh, maybe the future. Are our, those are our bottom five on ESPN Honolulu. Sean Green with the SPG Network joins us next on uh, sports gambling on ESPN Honolulu. 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Gary and Chris here. It is Aloha Friday with the Sports Animals here. And we got an interesting guest. He was with us a couple of times previously this football season. He is a co-host of the Gambling Podcast Network and the co-founder of the SGP Network, the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Great information if you're interested in football games this weekend. And Sean Green joins us via the Aloha Kia Hotline. Sean, thanks so much for joining us today. And I guess we'll start with this. If you're looking ahead for a team like the Miami Dolphins, without Tua Tagovailoa, hopefully for not too long that he's out. How might that change the point spread in a game coming up next week, for example? Sure, totally. I mean, you know, obviously the the quarterback is a big part of the handicap and the point spread. Um, I think the thing with Miami, though, is Teddy Bridgewater isn't a a horrible quarterback. You saw him step in. He hit that deep ball to Tyree Kill. I I don't know if it's a massive drop-off. I would say probably at least two to three points. It's not, you know, if you look at other teams like the Packers, 
uh, you know, going from Aaron Rodgers, that's a huge drop off. But I think Teddy Bridgewater is probably one of the better backup quarterbacks in the in the league. So I would say probably like three point difference. Usually the home team in football gets three points for being at home. In the NFL this weekend, we have a game in London, Minnesota and New Orleans. How does that change things, if at all, as far as determining the point spread or who you might pick? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It always used to be three points, but if you talk to the really sharp gamblers and, and, and the guys that really know their stuff that do the power ranking, they're moving home field advantage down to like one and a half points maybe two points depending if you've been uh, following like underdogs have been great this season in the NFL and even home teams, they're like dead, even almost uh, straight up. So home field advantage probably isn't what it used to be uh, over in London though. Um, it, it definitely favors the, um, the favorites as far as like, who's going to cover favorites are 21, eight and one straight up 18 and 12 against the spread in London. Um, I, I don't think you're factoring that much in as far as like a home field advantage between these two teams. Uh, it, it's interesting. It does look like Jameis Winston probably won't go. Uh, and you have Andy Dalton, who hasn't started a game this year, who's probably going to be the quarterback for the Saints. A few years ago on this show, a lady called up, and she used to work in sports books in Las Vegas, and she said it was kind of well-known, and this was years ago, but she said it was well-known among gamblers in Las Vegas that week three of the NFL season, the underdogs cover way more than they would in any other week. Have you ever heard of anything like that since, or anything uh, similar since then at least? Yeah, you know, so I, um, I think week three, week four, that's where you start to see them adjusting their numbers from what they thought in the preseason. It's already been a pretty good season for the underdogs. Uh, however, you look at teams that have been undefeated against the spread, teams like the Miami Dolphins, I, you know, they're due for a correction. I mean, that was a really tough spot uh, for the Dolphins and then the Tua injury as well. So um, it, it does seem like another good week for the dogs. But, yeah, I, I don't know if it's specifically week three or week four. I think it's just more people come in with their – preconceived notions and then by week three week four they end up adjusting and that's where you could see some value on the dogs we are talking with sean green he's a co-founder of the sgp network we'll get into that in just a second also the co-host of the gambling podcast and i have a few games i want to ask you about in a minute that people have asked me about and if any of our listeners have any questions that games they're interested in they are free to text or call at 808-296-1420 but last week we had a very unique situation i want to get your take on it it was with usc and oregon state some sports books i think had the opening line at like 10 points or even more for usc and then another sports book like the same day or a day later had a six-point spread usually those point spreads are very close together amongst the people in las vegas that determine that how could that situation happen and what does happen typically on the gambler's perspective when a situation like that occurs yeah you know especially you mentioned like 10 10 and a half and then six obviously the key numbers are seven uh, you know, uh, three, four football. So if you can get both sides uh, of a key number, if you're a gambler, like, you know, that's the dream. So if you're a very sharp gambler, you would have uh, USC or Oregon State plus 10 and a half and then USC minus six, and you hope to find that seven, eight, nine, ten 10 window where you, where you win both bets. Um, college spreads can change a lot. The, the big reason is they're not required to put out injury reports uh, like they are in the NFL. So – they keep that stuff close to the vest, and it's not unheard of for, oh, hey, that star receiver that everyone thought was going to play, he's out. And you're only finding out a couple hours before kickoff. 
um, you know, that's why, again, it's, it's good to kind of follow our network because we have a bunch of guys that specialize in college, specialize in pro, uh, that are kind of on top of the, the changing line movement. But college in particular especially. So probably what happened there was that, um, you know, someone got some injury news late or, again, you know, they'll adjust if they see some massive action coming in on Oregon State. Uh, you know, we were on Oregon State. Um, last week, I thought it was a good spot for them. You know, you love a home dog in conference play. They got the cover, almost got the win. But, yeah, 10 and a half. If you got that 10 and a half, that was never in doubt. Can you tell our listeners that you were mentioning the podcast, and I've heard such great things about it. I've seen it a few times, the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, where it can be viewed and uh, what you offer, and the fans can maybe get some more information that way. Yeah, I mean, great place to start is just our website, sportsgamblingpodcast.com. That has links to all our podcasts. Um, also, if you if you have a, obviously you have a cell phone, so type in SGPN. Uh, we have an app for the cell phone, and then also if you have um, Apple TV, Amazon, or Roku Fire Stick, you can type in SGPN TV and and get all our videos there. Or again, the app SGPN. Um, and honestly, if you just Google Sports Gambling Podcast, you kind of can't miss us. One of the games somebody asked me about yesterday is a top 10 matchup tomorrow, Clemson and NC State. What do you like in that game where right now Clemson is a six-and-a-half-point favorite at home? Yeah, you know, uh, we give it on the show at NC State plus seven. Uh, I would still take it at, at six-and-a-half. Obviously feel a little bit better getting that half point uh, with the seven. I, I think I think NC State is a live dog. You know, they, they've kind of been up and down this season. Uh, they almost blew that opening game against ECU. But they seem like – and you see this all the time in college where some teams will play down to lower competition but then get up for big games mm. like Clemson. I'm still not sold. I know he's looked better than he did last year, but um, the Clemson quarterback, Big Cinco, I, I'm not great at pronouncing his last name, but uh, I'm still not sold on him. So I like NC State. If you can get, If you can find a place that has seven points, take that. If not, I still like the six and a half. Another game that I think is interesting because of what Michigan has done previously, they haven't really played any top-notch competition. Maryland was their toughest opponent last week. The other three games, not so much. They're a favorite on the road at Iowa, who's been disappointing by ten and a half. You mentioned the home dogs. What about this game? Yeah, home dog conference play. Uh, give me Iowa plus ten and a half. I think they play really good defense. Uh, you saw they, they had a couple defensive touchdowns against Rutgers. Um, Iowa is not an easy place to come in and play. I, I would have liked it, if it even better if this was a night game. Night games that are, um, you know, conference home dogs like we saw with Oregon State, that adds like another element to it. But Iowa is not an easy place to go in and get a win. And I think they can ugly this game up enough, you know, even if it's like 17 7, uh, something like that, you're covering. So I like Iowa getting the 10 and a half. I have two NFL games I want to ask you about that I think are interesting, especially with the Lions on the second one. The Lions, what is coming on up with the Lions? Now it's their favorite again for the second time this season. They went so long without being a favorite. They're favorite at home against Seattle by four this Sunday. Yeah, and, and there, some late injury news, which is unfortunate. Amon Ross St. Brown is officially out. So uh, make sure you get him out of your uh, out of your fantasy team. But the Lions have been great against the spread. You mentioned the, the other time they were favored against the Commanders. Uh, they got the win. They got the cover. I think this Lions offensive line is better than people thought. Again, I was never a, a huge Jared Goff fan. But I think they put enough talent around him that they can be competent. And I'm just not uh, 
you know, I'm just not taking the Seattle team uh, on the road. I, I even with four points, I think Aiden Hutchinson, the Detroit um, offensive or defensive lineman, the rookie, uh, he's been really good. I think he could have a big game. And also another uh, another thing we track over at SportsGamblingPodcast.com, we put out a weekly uh, ref article um, that highlights some of the refs that are you know, particularly good for the home team or away teams. We kind of follow the trends there. Uh, Clay Martin is the ref here for the Lions, and he's been really good for the home teams covering the spread. So I'm on the Lions laying four. Here's one that just for me, and I know I've heard other people mention, is a very strange point spread. The 49ers on Monday Night Football are hosting the Rams. Rams, we know about them, Super Bowl champs, and I know they struggled against Atlanta and lost to Buffalo. Still, the Niners are favored by one and a half with Jimmy G there. That seemed like a strange point spread to me. Yeah, again, this one, um, I'm with you that it's strange. I am on the Niners. Uh, It's a little scary, but... The, the Niners have really kind of owned the Rams uh, as of late. Uh, the, the 49ers are great against the spread in their last five home games. They're 5-0 and against the spread. Another metric I like to look at is yards per play. Uh, 49ers defense is only allowing 3.9 yards per play. That is best in the league. And really, uh, Matt Stafford hasn't looked particularly sharp so far this season. He's tied for the lead league in interceptions with five. I, I am worried about the 49ers offensive line uh, with no Trent Williams, but I, I think they finally, you know, Jimmy G, that was his first start, and he didn't really have any preseason. They weren't even giving him the playbook mm. uh, in preseason. I think, I think this is actually a get-right spot for the Niners. They always get up for this game. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a little scary, but I'm, I'm on the Niners here. Okay, I know they did do well, like you mentioned, last regular season at least. Check, check yeah. out Sean Green on Twitter at Sean, S-E-A-N-T, Green. Check out the Gambling Podcast and the SGPN Network. You will love it. It hopefully will help a lot of our listeners. Sean, thanks again for joining us. We look forward to having you on maybe in a few weeks again to talk some football. Always enjoy calling on. Thanks for having me, Gary. All right, thank you so much. And uh, Sean Green, hopefully giving us some good information that will help uh, for entertainment purposes or however you choose, but some good stuff there at the SGPN Network. All right. Hey, uh, speaking of the NFL, we're making a big splash at Wet n' Wild Hawaii with NFL and UH football watch parties at the water park. You can join us October 15th and 30th for some good fun games and giveaways. All the details at wetnwildhawaii.com. You might have seen this on uh, television, but uh, there's an au- there's an auction website called OahuAuctions.com, and uh, they are selling off items from Aloha Stadium, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of items that you can buy. Like, you know, for your man cave, you can buy the football field sideline yardage line marker. Huh? <laughs> now, some of that stuff, you would, a, a football goalpost pad. What are you going to do with that? I'm not sure. But they've got, like, camera equipment. Oh, I guess for the video camera. You can buy KCCN 1420 AM 
It says radio promos. What I'm looking at is a picture of a bumper sticker. <laughs> hey, somebody's bidding 10 bucks on that. <laughs> yeah. Don't laugh. There's all kinds of stuff here. They have restroom signs. <laughs> They're not selling the seats. They're selling the seat backs. So I think and there's hundreds of them. So if you were like a season ticket holder and you sat in row three, uh, you know, seat number five, orange, Mauka or something like that, you might want to buy your seat. But they're not selling the seats. They're selling the seat backs. And I'm guessing it's too hard to remove the seats in their entirety. I'm guessing that's what it is. And also the seat back, I think, has a seat number on it, but that still is kind of strange. We've had people call our show in the last year or so saying they were hoping this would happen so they could buy their seat, season ticket holders. Right, so but, you're not, really cool. but their seat isn't available. Just the seat back is. Yeah. I don't know. What do you do with the seat back? Frame it, just have it as a memory, a souvenir, and especially if it has a seat number, but yeah, that's kind of strange. But there were people who called us, I remember, wanting that or hoping for something like that. Yeah. There's a lot of camera equipment, I guess, for the scoreboard and stuff. You know what? Here's something. The very first item, and they have like 12 pages of items. The very first item is the sign that re- it's 58 by 48 inches. Welcome to Aloha Stadium. It's a, it's a welcome to Aloha Stadium sign, which is framed. I think that would be really cool. Yeah. I don't think it's $155 cool, but, I mean, it's kind of, you know, if you, you, you like that kind of stuff, that's pretty cool. What I, What is interesting, too, and they have a lot of this, is a six-inch by six-inch square of the Aloha Stadium field turf. Huh? You get a few of those and you make them into nice coasters or something. I don't know. <laughs> coasters. You, you, you sew it into a jacket or something. I, I think it would be cool to have some of Aloha Stadium field turf. And Making the current bid is $11 on this one little square, so it's not that bad. You buy a whole bunch of them, make them a welcome mat when people come over. Yeah, but you don't want. Yeah, but you don't want them to like rub no, their know. feet all over. No, all no, the time. no. I mean, but uh, you know what's interesting? Uh, you, a lot of the here's, seats... here's here's what I want is they have something called the manager's award. It's a uh, the uh, plaque. I guess it's in the office or the break room or something, and it has a bunch of different names on it. It's the uh, manager's award Aloha Stadium outstanding employee plaque. Huh? I want to see who was in, you know, keep in for forever and pass it down to my grandkids. Who are the employees of the month at Aloha Stadium? Well, there well, it is. Well, Mel Pono was in 19, I think it's 77, if I can read it correctly. I'm not sure. But some, if you zoom in, you can get a couple of the names there. They are selling everything and anything. Here's an ABC Sports banner. When's the last time ABC Sports was here? It's got to be during a Pro Bowl game, right? Right, right. had to be the Pro Bowl. You know what's also interesting and consistent? Every seat that I've looked at, the seat back, and there's a whole bunch of them, they're all row R, whether it's red, blue, or anywhere else. They're always row R. For some reason, that's a very popular row. Anyway, yeah. So anyway, if you want to buy a little bit of Aloha Stadium, they've got stuff from cameras to bumper stickers to footballs to you name it, seat backs. And uh, signage, so, you know, stuff from concerts, too, not just football. Uh, they've got the, the information sign. <laughs> All Some of the signs are kind of cool. Benches and everything. Oahu Auctions, 
Com. It's a quarter to nine on this Aloha Friday with the sports animals. This is ESPN Honolulu. And, hey, coming up on Monday, it is uh, Monday Night Football at Dixie Grill in Iaea. That's your new home for Monday Night Football. You can go by and catch the game and score 32-ounce Bud Lights for just 6 bucks. And then from 7 to 9, uh, it's Trivia Night with lots of prizes to give away. You want $25 at Fit Dixie Grill? It's a $25 gift certificate. Call in and be the second caller. Caller number two right now, 808-296-1420. And uh, we'll get that winner and be back on ESPN Honolulu. By the, way, by the way, we got a, a text. Thank you. Talking about the uh, things that are uh, up for sale at oahuauctions.com. Uh, somebody wants this turf square that Nico Noga spit on. That's <laughs> so gross. Had to mention it. Had to mention it. I saw this yesterday from a former NFL player. I've never heard of him before. His name is Tyler Columbus. He was an offensive lineman, mainly with the Denver Broncos. And we've heard from Mitchell Renz last week covering the Las Vegas Raiders how he wasn't a big fan of Josh McDaniel. Well, Tyler Columbus went on Twitter yesterday and put a whole bunch of Hurricane Josh McDaniel stories. And this paints a picture and maybe shows why he hasn't been successful. It's still very early with the Raiders, but what kind of a person he is. Now, he does say once or twice during these tweets that he's a really good X's and O's guy, but here's a few things he said. When he was uh, on, the, when he was with the Denver Broncos in year one, he traded away a whole bunch of players, including Jake Cutler. McDaniels told the Denver Broncos players, fellas, don't worry about the quarterback situation. I can turn a high school quarterback into an all-pro. Their next quarterback was Kyle Orton, out of Purdue, I don't know how he was in high school, but he wasn't that. It wasn't an All Pro, that is for sure. But here's more: he turned an NFL quarterback into a high school quarterback. Yeah, right. Their first training camp, they had fully padded two-a-days, as often that was legal back then, and he kept hyping up a special reward after practice. What it was, it was a T-shirt that said Iron Man that he would give to the players. And an ice cream truck where everybody was given free ice cream. And he said, thanks for the creamsicle. Every day of practice began with a 10-minute bad football reel from the day before where he would, in capital letters, dog cuss you and your coach for your position for any bad play from practice 24 hours ago. So he really set the tone for a real positive day in front of the entire team. We had 25 slogans painted on the walls, he said. God forbid you forgot what the slogan was was above the door entering the cafeteria. Josh would call players out in team meetings and ask what each slogan said. If you forgot a single word, bleep chewing. And there's more. After the season, he has an exit interview an exit interview with his offensive line coach. Doesn't name him. The coach spent 10 minutes telling him everything he stunk at, but he looked so depressed and miserable that when he was done, I didn't care what he said about my play. I was concerned for the coach. And he said, uh, I asked the coach about, are you okay? He said, that's a really hard man to work for. Tyler Columbus said, are you going to come back next year? He said, heck no. He said, you're getting fired or leaving? The coach said, I don't care, but I'm getting the heck out of here immediately. He said, these are just scratching the surface. He's going to share a few more on Twitter. And again, he says how McDaniels really knew the X's and O's, but he said he's one of the worst coaches. And other players have said the same things about this guy, how bad of a people person he is or isn't. And again, the Las Vegas Raiders off to a slow start. They had a couple of tough losses. 
And again, Mitchell Renz, you know, who is very strong with his opinions on with us last week, said he never wanted McDaniels happy, uh, hired, excuse me, and is kind of blaming him for what has been going on there so far this season. It really paints an ugly picture about Josh McDaniels. I was kind of surprised to know, to know that or read that from a former player. And he said there are other players that have similar stories about them. Has Josh McDaniels ever been a successful head coach? Well, he got Denver to the playoffs that one year. They beat your Steelers with Tebow, but that's about it. Uh, he never took the Indianapolis job after all. Well, he verbally committed to the Indianapolis job and then changed his mind, which rubbed some people the wrong way. I mean, we know he's a good coach, but to treat people the way that is. a good. Uh, but this is a reoccurring theme. Yeah, right. Isn't this a reoccurring theme with? Josh McDaniels. No, reoccurring theme with players under the Belichick tree. Oh, yes. The same could be said about Matt, or the same was said about Matt Patricia. And somebody else in the past, and I can't remember who. Bill O'Brien. Sure. You come in, and it's they, the way you talk down to other full-grown men. It was, uh, it was it, it, one of the reasons, I think, that... Uh, one of the reasons I think that um, these guys haven't been successful coaches, Mike McDaniel, the Dolphins coach, word is that those players will run through a brick wall for that guy because of the way that they're treated. I don't know. It's and I don't know. Does, is that the way Belichick treats people? Is that where this is coming from? Who knows? But that's all the time we have today. Enjoy your weekend. Kanoa Leahy with Let's Talk Sports coming up at 12 noon. And Josh, uh, we've got the volleyball this afternoon right here on ESPN Honolulu.